we've been doing a series called We the Church. And, um, and that series has been challenging and speaking to a fight, a battle that is on the go. Who likes this guy? Oh, you might as well stay there, Sharon. It's a different service. You might as well just stay there. Sharon's going to keep playing. Can we have a hand for Sharon on the keys? There we go. But, um, but we've been talking about what it is to be the church. This, the church that's getting a bit of a bad rap. The church that's no longer the norm in families. That's no longer, oh my, I've got kids. I'm going to take them to Sunday school. And it's, it's not on a seeker journey. It's becoming somewhere lower dog in the line. The church where leaders seem to be following on a weekly basis. And there seems to be challenges and trials. The church where there seems to be this negative narrative. And we're coming back to the word of God and say, God, we look at your word. We believe your word and we believe the church is glorious. We believe your church is through the church. The manifold wisdom of God will be made manifest. And you're going to do it through your church. And you know who the church is? It's just a whole bunch of people from different backgrounds gathered together around one thing, the name of Jesus, empowered by His Spirit. And so we keep going back to this beautiful scripture in Acts chapter 2. And the start of the scripture is an amazing happening where the Spirit of God is poured out over the disciples, and it says there's tongues of fire. Maybe you were concerned about someone singing with a microphone and there weren't words on the screen like Christian karaoke this morning. But I want to tell you about an even more exhilarating happening. It's when God fills the room and it feels like there's fire burning, burning away brokenness, burning away disease, and we gather. It's called the church. And then what happens straight after that is a man gets up and he he speaks to a broken generation, a, a man who was a wimp. His name was Peter. He was a wimp. He denied Christ. He was a wimp. And maybe you've denied Christ and you go, well, how could I have a story? And maybe you've fallen and fell. No, God took that guy to preach a gospel sermon. And the Bible says to that day, 3,000 people got added. Boom, the church happens. The church They didn't have nice coffee. They didn't have good songs. They had nothing but the Spirit of God and the saving power of Jesus. That's it. And Jesus says, awesome. And he gave something of a description, not a prescription of what the church would be, but something of a description. And I think it longs inside of each of us, but our cultural realities and our cultural idolatries and a whole bunch of things fight against us seeing everything that God has promised is available for the church. I want this. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That, does that sound like our world? No. Everyone's different. Everyone's for their story. Everyone's for their peace. Everyone's their peace in the world. And yet the Bible says God's going to build a church and it's going to be different. There'll be sharing. There'll be sharing of lives, sharing of stories. There'll be healings in the midst. Not so that the church gets the glory, so that God gets the glory. Just a description of what's possible. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I find that scripture very challenging. I live in a nation where thousands don't have homes, and yet my car has a home. It's called a garage. I struggle with that scripture every day. And I think the challenge is if we ever stop picking it up and going before God and saying, God, break my heart for what breaks down, move my bank accounts, move my heart, move, move, move whatever you need to move so that that can become part of my story. I'm telling you, we stop seeing more and more of God. 
Maybe that's challenging to you. Living in South Africa, you want to look and say, well, there's too much need. There's never too much need for Jesus. And if the church would get scriptures like that, we could change this nation like this. I'm telling you. It says every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Now, I know some of you are like, I don't want to see you every day, Mark, so that's not going to, it's okay. Life's a little different. Cities were a bit small in those days, but it's okay. We gather together in prayer. Every day they continue to meet. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Maybe you've got really high expectations of God, but maybe, just maybe, you've got low expectations of the church. What I wanted to do in the series, and as we land the series today, is deal with our expectations, not just of God and His goodness, but what He built on the church, the greatest sign and wonder He's put in place called His local church. A people who gather from different backgrounds, different stories, different preferences, different challenges. And we come together and God rips out our prejudices and He ripped out our preferences and He breaks down the walls that divide us, that the enemy wants to build up. He says, I'm going to build something beautiful called the church. We're going to cry together and we're going to laugh together and we're going to sing songs together. We're going to gather. We're going to do something called devoting ourselves. It says they devoted themselves. They were people who devoted themselves. I've said it many times. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not my job to devote you. I have never once in my life phoned anyone in church ever and God, why weren't you at church on Sunday? I just haven't. I don't think that's my job. I think the Spirit of God does that. I see a revelation of Jesus does that. That when I devote myself to Jesus, I cannot but devote myself to His bride. To His bride. And so there's an expectation that's got to rise. I believe there's a, a root of apathy as well in the church that's got to be ripped out. It's a killer. I honestly think apathy is the greatest killer in the church. God wants to rip it out and I, I believe a revival begins and a revival is, first starts with us, the church. It starts with me. It starts with you. Allowing the Spirit of God to get to places where we haven't necessarily wanted to go, God, you can have that. You can have that. You can have that pain. And you can have access to that part of my life. My time, talents, my treasures. You can have that. That's when God starts to unfold the miracle working of heaven in our lives and we start to see it. And so we land today's the series, and, and there were so many things I want to say, but I just want to say a few things. One of the challenges, is I love the Romans 12 scripture, it's this church that gets birth, and he starts, life is happening, and he says, brothers and sisters, he starts speaking to the brothers and sisters of Rome, where he writes this book about the grace of God, and the unfolding of the grace of God, and a church that would be full of the grace of God, and he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not is a, is a command, just so you know. We're not, we don't live in a world that appreciates commands. It's like a, like a stop street. Stop. We don't like, whoa, what you're telling me? I'm gonna, just going to go over that line like half a centimeter. Look, you can't tell me to stop yet. We live in that kind of world. No one likes a command. That's a command. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Why? By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve God's perfect, good and pleasing will. And I want to know the will of God, but there's a command that comes before that leads me to a promise. And it says, do not be conformed. And there's conforming, shouting voices in our world. Voices like, you're the most important thing in your world. You're not. 
Get out of the center. The Bible says, deny yourself. You want to follow Jesus? Here's where you start. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. It's not just a denial of, of, of good things and pleasures. It's not just an embracing of an ascetic lifestyle. It is a saying, Jesus, you're the guy in my life. You're the one. Your purpose is your plans. Do not conform and challenge. It speaks about humble service. And if you've got gifts, bring them. Then it speaks about a love that in action. And Paul goes off. This is amidst all of this grace that is poured out. There's an action that's demanded. And he says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Don't be indifferent. Hate. Cling to what is good. Cling. And I've told the story many times, but you just got to see a, a, a person who's grown up in Transvaal come and swim in Durban beaches, start to cling to the peers when they realize they're rips. They cling. If only we learn something from those guys, how to cling to what is good. It says, honor one another above yourselves. Above. Above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You want a game plan for your life? You want to say, Mark, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me stop you there and say, here's where you start. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It comes up a lot. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And so this is written to a church that's understanding what it is to be a radically transformed community by the grace of God. I want that. Honestly, I, I, I want that. I've been a part of that. I, I said to you, I don't know what it is. I'm not very good at leaving a church well. People come to me like, I, I don't know. I was in one church for 20 years. They kicked me out and I came here to lead this church. So I don't know. I can't help you there. And in that church, all I know is when I go back and those people and even families that I walk with today are families I've walked for 30 years because of a church community, because God did things in times of worship, because of the healing and the wholeness he brought. And so I want to, today's sermon, which will be all of 10 minutes, is called this. Two funerals and a wedding. Is that all right? Don't get it confused with four weddings and a funeral. That's Hugh Grant's British comedy from the 90s. This is not that. This is two funerals and a wedding. And I just want to give you, this is what the very next verse in that Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. He's giving us a, a, a directive on how to live in this grace-filled community. He's saying you want to learn how to well, well, obviously you've got to have a meeting with the pastor. No, that's not the starting point. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now we quote that a lot at funerals. It's easier said than done. Live in harmony with one another. Another directive, not a suggestion from the apostle. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. One of my favorite memories as a young man, I was 16, 17 years old. I was ambitious. I wanted to do things in the corporate world and I went after it. But I remember clearly driving into my church, Glenridge Church, which was on top of the Durban station. Not a fancy area. Driving up the ramp as my, as my mom was dropping me off because I didn't have my license and, and my parents didn't go to my church. And, and I remember seeing a man who I knew, I knew was in the, 
he was, he was the financial, group financial director of Mr. Price. At that time. I'm talking mid-90s, in the early days of Mr. Price. But he had a, a, a jacket on, and he was ushering the traffic outside of church. And I thought, this thing's real. If the men of high esteem, who I know have fancy homes, will bow their knees to the living God and serve everyone. It's real. We're the church. But I just want to give you a little insight to my last, maybe five days, just... On, on, on Saturday last week, I had the great privilege of flying up to KZN and going to a wedding of one of my greatest friends, oldest sons. I've known his son his whole life. I've known this family for the last 30, 35 years. Rory Dyer is my friend. He's been my pastor for all those years as well. But it was his oldest son's wedding, and it was a celebration. Just a glorious celebration. And, and these days, I go to weddings mostly as friends of the parents. It's a new stage of life. I'm, in, I'm trying to work out. Um, I'm still figuring it out, but um, I, st- I don't know how I got there. I don't feel like I'm that age yet, but it seems to be happening more and more. Thank you. Pray for me. And um, that was a confession. But I'm there and we're celebrating and I look around the room and there are people I've known for 30 years. People I've watched go through highs and lows, navigating and, and, and we, we celebrated this young couple. People traveled from far. They paid a price to be there. It was a privilege to be there. God's presence was there. These young people have held on to purity, held on to promises, held on to God. God married amidst the celebration of both families. Um, I've known the bride's father too. We are we into arranged marriages. He's also a pastor. No, it wasn't arranged marriage. But I've known him for 15 years. I've seen him trust God. And so we got to celebrate what God had done at a beautiful wedding. That was spectacular and God's grace and favor was hard for me because I sat at a table, table number seven, and I'd been put there on purpose. It was one meter away from me sitting my mate Chris Dutoy and his wife Wanda Dutoy, who a week before that day, I stood with them at the hospital as they said goodbye to their 23-year-old daughter. They'd had a heart attack. And on a Wednesday night, two weeks ago, I was about to sit down and watch my boy perform in the school play. He was Hansel. Apparently he was brilliant. I didn't get to watch it, but I'll catch the Netflix show. And I got a phone call from Lisbon. My friends, they just landed in Lisbon and they just had a report that their daughter, 23 years old, was in an accident. Could I go? So I left. I drove to Christian Barnard. By the time I got there, the doctor spoke to me and said, this wasn't an accident. She'd had a heart attack. And your world changes in an instant. Everything changes. And for 36 hours, in the best part of 36 hours, I stayed at Christian Barnard Hospital and I cried out to the living God that he would raise her off their bed and I believed he would. But on Thursday night, the day after they were able to get on a plane, I had to meet them at the airport at Cape Town. You've got to know these people I've walked with for 30 years. We were in eldership together in a church. We have cried out for the church. Part of the reason I'm in Cape Town is because this guy is a businessman. He's a very wealthy, successful businessman who offered me a business. And in saying yes to that, God spoke to me and called me into ministry. These are families that have played a big part in my life. I had to meet him at the international arrivals in Cape Town and share with him the news that his daughter wasn't going to make it drive from the airport with my friend weeping deeply a pain that I haven't experienced yet and to be brutally honest on the way to that airport I was saying God not again I don't want to do this again 
I believe in eternity and I know Gabby will be with you in eternity and I know it'll be spectacular. But I don't want to stand with someone again and mourn again because it just takes too much. But then I'm reminded about the church Jesus is building. And so on Monday, we celebrated on Saturday. I sat with my friend at the wedding as he laughed and then cried and then laughed and then cried. And then on Monday, I had the privilege of singing at that funeral. And we cried a whole lot and we spoke about the goodness and they were incredible. Just cheering. Is that all right? And then on Wednesday, I got to do a funeral here again with a beautiful lady from the life of our church who's encountered God in the last year. And you know what was spectacular? She's probably only been in this church under a year. More than half the people at the funeral were just friends from church. They didn't know her father. It was her father's funeral. They were just friends who came to stand with, to mourn with, to hold. Why am I telling you this as we land a series about the church? I'm telling this because I'm only the church has the ability and the capacity because of the empowering of the Spirit of God and the power of God to at the same time rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. Maybe you look at those and think, which one's harder? The mourning sounds a whole bunch harder. I would present to you that to rejoice with someone who's fallen pregnant and have only been married three months and you've been trying for three years, Rejoicing with them is hard. I'd present to you that rejoicing with someone who's just got a job and they've just gone out of university and it's an incredible job and you've been struggling to get a job for two years and sent out a thousand CVs, I would present to you, I think this is harder. Both of them are sympathy. Requires this emotion and response to be sympathetic, to place yourself in the situation, but to earnestly pour yourself into a situation. I would present to you, I think in this world of our fragile hearts, that sometimes rejoicing with those who rejoice is harder. And yet the Bible says, I need you to do both. Because he came and he bore our sorrows. Isaiah 53, if you just want to understand, Isaiah 53, the description of the broken body, presenting of a broken body where it says it was the Father's will to crush Him. I've got three boys. I've never laid a hand on any of their heads. I couldn't imagine taking a finger and having to hurt it. And yet it was the Father's will to crush him so that those who are mourning can be lifted up and the church can stand and keep declaring the promises of God over the people in the midst of chaos and trial. I believe our God is a healer. I'll keep standing at the bed, de- at beds in ICUs and keep declaring the goodness of God. I'll keep praying and I'll keep laying hands on hands. And my heart will break again and yours might too. And in eternity we'll get the answers we need. I don't get the answers now. Look at my friend Sheila there whose husband passed away. I don't have the answers. But I know of a good God who is faithful and true. And I know he places us in a community who will stand, who will hold, who will keep declaring the promises every time. And we'll mourn together and we'll cry. And then we'll step into 
like we have these different personalities. We'll celebrate together. Think of the young people in our community who I think of Joshi and Mignon who've just got engaged. One week we were praying for Josh and his face to be healed because he was in a very traumatic incident. And a week later we're celebrating. I'm going, God, I don't know if my heart can take it. To be brutally honest, not because I'm a pastor, because I follow Jesus. My heart feels like a piece of meat that's just on a slab. It just keeps getting hit. If I'm being brutally honest, I left my boys school play. And I was a bit grumpy that I left the school play. If I, can we be that honest? I was like, I don't want to miss another thing. To drive across the city to stay in an ICO again. And I said, God, I don't want to have to go through this again. See, you might not know the names, but if I mention the names, you'd be reminded the losses in the story. And God says, I'm not building my church. You know how we build the church? We rejoice and we mourn. We rejoice and we mourn. And we celebrate those who fall pregnant easily, and we pray all night with those who can't. And we lay hands on the sick and declare the glory of God who've got diagnoses that are devastating. And we continue to hold their hands up and we share. Just, uh, it's just been a big couple of weeks. And so I, I get home and a friend in Joburg who doesn't really know, but he heard that it's just been a big couple of weeks and I spent some time at the hospital and he understands the cost of that. Next minute, check a 60 guy arrives at my house with a meal for my family. You know what that does? I'm reminded I'm part of something way bigger. It's called the church. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. I was going to speak about the harmony the apostle speaks about. I was going to speak about the humility. But we've taken of the Lord's Supper. We've, we've taken of the, 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 the broken body, his poured out blood. I'm not trying to build a preaching center. I don't look at the numbers of how many people are at church on Sundays. I don't, look, I don't even know how many, what people give, to be brutally honest. You can, I have to go to Sharon sometimes and ask her, all good. But I do see faces. So it keeps me up at night. It keeps me on the phone. But it's not the privilege and the, the of a pastor alone. See, I look at these ladies here and I know the many hours of prayer. I message a group of people in this church who pray and intercede about Gabby who's in hospital. I said, please pray. I know some of them prayed for hours that night and they've never met that young lady in their life. Because we are the church. I pray for Ian. As he's starting out his journey as a young man, he's got a passion for the word of God. Met a young family this morning who just moved to the city, insecure and scared, wondering if God is faithful. I say thank you, God, for putting them in the church. Pray for Romeo and Tampasang who were at the first service this morning, had the little baby earlier this year and have moved to Johannesburg. And to be brutally honest, I was grumpy about it because I really love that lady. He's okay, but I really love her. 
she, she encountered family here. In a way that I haven't seen often. She allowed healing to happen in that encounter. And so for her to be ripped out of here is a little bit of like, ah, I don't want that. But we put on the wall, receive, release wide. We put on the wall, reach far, reach those who are far from God. Whatever condition, whatever state. We make statements like a church without the broken is a broken church. If you are broken here, you're in the right place. If you are broken here and you think there's no way back to wholeness, you're in the right place. Not because I'm here and not because this building's here, because the church is here. Because within the church, there's healing and there's power because there's Jesus. Then we also put on the wall, raise up. Which means we're not going to let you stay broken. We're going to go on a journey. And I come through to... To, to be with some people from the community or doing something in the park yesterday and I'm watching Mariet and her team of ladies as they gather around the Word of God and talk about what it means to be devoted to Jesus. And I go, thank you, Jesus, that we community raise up. And I come through on Monday nights because the church is busy. So to full manage marriage ministries, they stuck us in the preschool classes. But I have to walk past this hall of people who are on journey of recovery. And I go, thank you, God, you put me in a community where people can be lifted up. And a price will be paid. Just trying to stir your faith to remind you that there's a narrative out there shouting about the church. And I would present to you, there's only just the bride, his bride. And right now she might be broken in parts. And the temptation is to stay away until she's perfect. And I'm telling you, you'll miss the journey. You'll miss the privilege of loving his broken bride of receiving a love and it's as simple as this are you in community not are you in church on Sundays I'm gonna I have to challenge you not are you in meetings did you listen to someone preach this week online now I'm saying are you in community whether it's a life group whether it's a recovery group whether it's a, a worship group whatever it is are you, are you serving? The Bible says, if you give some to serve, then serve. Don't wait. If it's generous, then give generously. You know how many people are waiting? God's called me to be generous. Why are you telling me? I don't need to know. I'm not Jesus. He gave it to you. Just go and be generous. It's not that hard in South Africa to find a places to be generous. It's not. Go, oh, I'm praying about it. Stop praying and do it. Because... Praying's kind of saying you maybe don't believe the source will keep giving. Maybe the source will run out if you start giving. It's actually just sometimes a lack of faith. And it's a nice story. Just do it. You're saying, well, I don't know if this is my flavor. Well, you can wait for the next five years until someone sings the song you love. Or you can get into family. And here's the invitation. Will you come and rejoice with us when we rejoice? Will you come and mourn with us in mourn? And will you allow your heart not to live in this numb state that the world endeavors to live in? And there's a million drugs that will provide you that constant state to keep you in a plane where you don't rejoice and you don't mourn, but it's safe here. Well, I'm not inviting you to something safe. I'm not asking you to jump in to something glorious called the local church because it's safe. It's not safe. It's not safe. 
But nowhere in the Bible does it describe Jesus as safe either. He's a lion. He's a roaring, majestic lion seated on his throne. He's a warrior. He's got eyes like fire. He also has eyes like doves. But lest we forget the one whose eyes blaze like burning fire, then we become safe. We're finishing a series called We're the Church. And your last is this. What is he asking of you at this time? Not what is the church. Are we asking nothing of you? To be brutally honest. Say, Mark, are you asking us for more money? No, I'm telling you it'll be good for you to partner your finances in the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you, God will provide. You're saying, Mark, are you asking us because we don't have enough serving teams? And we don't have enough baristas? Or we don't have enough kids people? Well, we probably never do anyway. But no, I'm telling you and I'm asking because it'll be good for you. Because your lives, you'll start to meet people and you start to see some of the states. And you get the privilege of saying, how are you doing to someone who's you're saying, well, because we haven't got enough people in the car park. I'm telling you, we don't have enough people in the car park. You say, well, I'm not so sure I want to be in the car park. I'm pretty sure I know where Jesus would be if he was on a serving team in church. He might be riding a donkey because that was his choice. of. But he'd be there. Where some of the smokers try to hide up around the corner. And when they see me coming, I've seen people do this. Please know this. I was the one who took the no smoking sign off the wall. It was the very first thing I did in this church. I visited this church once. The pastor said, what's the first thing you change? I said, I take the no smoking sign off the front door. Because this church is for the broken. This church is for Jesus. This church is for people who outside of the grace of Jesus have no hope. But because of Jesus, we have an eternal hope. And I know I'll be with Gabby one day. I'm grateful for her life and I'm grateful for the privilege of knowing her whole life. And my heart is sore right now. But I get to come back into community. You know what all I wanted to do all week? I wanted to come back and worship with you. I just wanted to sing about Jesus with you. And some of us, we've never even met. You have no idea how your singing in key or out of key can affect those around you. Can you stand with me this morning? Well done, Sharon. I know I'm a little emotional this morning. I have no intention to manipulate anyone with their emotions. I love the church. I've always loved the church. I've been offended been used I've prayed the prayer like many of you use me God and you know what happens you get used (laughs) welcome to answered prayers but because of people gathered my wife encountered the living God because she got invited to a home group not a church meeting a home group during the week because she was really sick at 21 years old And the party drugs on the weekends probably weren't helping. But she needed more. She needed Jesus. Because of people gathered in a home in Glenwood, Durban. My wife got saved. Because of people gathered in a building on top of a station called Glenridge. My wife got into a family and I met the woman of my dreams who I've walked with now for 20 years. Because of a community. I mean, I couldn't pay for my studies because my parents were liquidated. God used the community to hold. I don't know how it happened. And I said to the gentleman, 
who, whose daughter was in the church. He was unsaved. I said, how can I repay you? He says, no, just do it for someone else. I said, God, you've pulled my life into something that's different to buying and selling. You pulled it into a kingdom of sowing and reaping. My time, my talents and treasures are yours. If you trust God, it's time to kick out of the buying and selling world. It's time. It's time to start trusting a God who calls us to sow our lives, our time, our talents and treasures, and to trust Him, the one who brings it from seed to tree to life. Can we pray together as I land this morning? Um, I realize this is a little different. Lord, I thank you for your hand. You just moved to the city. I pray bless him. Put him into a community somewhere we can thrive and grow. Thank you for those in the midst this morning who are here, even in the midst of mourning or loss. And I pray, Spirit of God, as your church has worshipped, would they be lifted up? Would they see you, Jesus? Would, would the healer come? Bring healing and a wholeness. Thank you for those that are celebrating and rejoicing in the midst here. Maybe a promotion, maybe a job, maybe an engagement, maybe a pregnancy. Thank you, God, that we can stand and worship the one who answers every promise, hears every prayer. But I pray meet your people. Meet your people. Be with your people. The beloved. Brothers and sisters. The living God. I pray for the fearful in this place. The fear will fall as we see you. The spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. The spirit of the Lord is there is joy. The spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. Chains come off your people now, God. Chains of fear. Fear about the future. Fear about health. Fear about loss. Fear about pandemics. We thank you, God. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. And give him all the glory because he is worthy. And he's coming back for his bride. I want to be in that army. We thank you, God. Praise you, King. We worship you, God.